I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky, spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Stabbing noises. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I'm not not putting that in the sound. (laughs) (laughs) That that will not be a sound effect. Sorry. (laughs) Cool, 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 cool. Actually, wait, it's funny, because my first like for this movie is a shout-out to the sound designer. So, stab noises is perfect. But, like, I'll let you continue. The Foley artists, on top of it. Oh, yeah. Running their money. Top tier. MVP. Top tier. (laughs) Guys, well, obviously, uh, you already have noticed that there's going to be a lot of stabbing in this. If you're watching us on the YouTubes, you can see our merch for all of the things because today we are talking about the movie that single-handedly is the reason why millennials will not answer their phones, won't do it, can't talk. It's the 2023 American slasher film, Scream 6. Hello. Hello, Gail. Did you miss me? You've been in my life for so long. You want to try and finish this? You're going to die screaming. I'm something different. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> so much stabbing. <laughs> that's not like, like six paper cuts. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Back to back, it's really, really yeah, hurts. Yeah, back to back stuff. I mean, it's a pain. <laughs> Great. So this movie was directed by Matt Bettinelli Olpin and Tyler Gillett, and it was written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick, and it stars Melissa Barrera, Barrera, sorry, excuse me, Jasmine Savoy Brown, Mason Gooding, Roger L. Jackson, our fave Wednesday Adams, Jenna Ortega, Skeet Woo. Ulrich coming back as Billy Billy, and Hayden Skeeter, uh, Skeeter cousin Skeeter, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> oh, man. Hayden Pan, our, our favorite Kirby, Hayden Panettiere, and of course, Courtney Cox trying to keep her relevance in the game with Scream 6, and I'm sure we'll talk about all that as well. So obviously, heavy spoilers for Scream 6, and we'll probably be talking about the relationship with all the other movies. So if you haven't watched them, it's okay. Go listen to our podcast, and then you'll know all that you need to know, and then come back and listen to us talk about Scream 6. Mm. And Jamie, tell us all about the trigger warnings in this movie. Hey, I mean, it's a slasher, so it's your classic inside on the outside, and they're they're coming in hard with Hot. insides on the outside. A lot yes. of these are very, very brutal killings. Um, so, again, lots of stabbing, lots of slashing, lots of cutting. Um, we, we see, we stumble upon already dead people, a beheading, um, just very gruesome... <laughs> Very gruesome kills, stabs in the back, stabs in mm-hmm. all all of the body parts. 
Um, uh, am I missing non-stabby things? Uh, no. Heights. 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 Um, yeah. If you yeah. have a fear of heights, this shoots and ladders. PTSD. We're going to talk a lot about yeah. trauma here. Crowded subway stations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> public transit. Yeah, public, tra- uh-huh. <laughs> public transit's a great one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, if you, don't like, if you don't like colleges and universities, this one probably <laughs> won't do it for you as well. Yeah, frat parties. Bodegas. Uh, bodegas. <laughs> it was missing a bodega cat, which I think took away from its authenticity. I agree. Okay, sure. Hoarding. Authenticity. Hoarders. Hoarders. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So many things. The, the introvert in me was screaming. There's too many people around. Touch your shoulders. It's not for me. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, before we get into things, uh, producer Brian, can you give us some words and then we'll get right into it? Yeah. Well, first, before we talk about the fact that we're on TikTok and YouTube. Hi, everybody. Uh, at Talk Horror Pod. I guess I've already done that. Instagram and uh, Twitter. Uh, we have, um, we're bringing back one of our favorite guests, Matthew Woods. Um, Hi. Check out Hallow Woods on Instagram. His art is spectacular, but he is one, one of the biggest Scream fans I know. He was on our Scream 5 episode. He's also on our Halloween Kills episode. Um, Probably better off he was not on our Halloween Ends episode. (laughs) Um, uh, But um, yeah, and honestly, one of the huge reasons before I met Jamie that I was so into horror and like got a lot of, I've seen a lot of horror because of him, and I've taken a lot of his suggestions. Um, uh, One of the best experiences I had was he has Monday... um, Monster Nights in uh, in October, and we watched Trick or Treat one year, and I just like became obsessed with Sam. Um, is Sam up here? Did I introduce you to Trick or Treat? That was my first time seeing, it, and I'm obsessed. He's my favorite. <laughs> yes, we love Sam. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and I can't wait for the if they ever make a Trick or Treat sequel, I will be there Thursday night, no question. But um, today we're talking Scream. So Matt, before we jump into Scream Six. Um, uh, remind us, I said it already, but remind us what they can find on Instagram. And then I would love to, just as a reminder, um, your thoughts on Scream 5 before we head into Scream 6. Mm. If you want Matt's complete thoughts on the Scream franchise, check out our Scream 5 episode. I will link that in the comments, uh, excuse me, in the description below. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at Hello Woods or my website, MatthewWoodsArt.com. Um, I am an artist and illustrator. I do a lot of spooky Halloweeny stuff. I do some fan stuff. Um, right now, I am auctioning little illustrations um, of ghosts dressed as Ghostface. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, g- give me a follow on social media. It's a good time. I promise. Um, when years ago, when I first met and started dating my husband, our second date. Um, we did a scream marathon and at the time it was just one, two, three. And so it was easy. easy. We were like, let's watch all three. Yeah. Uh, and now it is going to be one, two, three, four, five, six, mm, which yes. it's maybe going to have to be two days. Sure. But, um, so I rewatch all the scream movies at least once a year. And so I just watched the last five. Um, it was the first time I watched five since seeing it in the theater. I, mm. It took me a year to come back around to it. Sure. And I, I still really liked it. Sure. <laughs> um, and uh, I'll 
I'm going to touch on a gripe that I have with it when we talk about six, so I won't get into that now. Sure. Um, But I think that for me, it, uh, it does a great job of its purpose, which is a requel or reboot or whatever of like Mm -hmm. kickstarting the franchise again with like new likable characters and like Mm -hmm. kind of ushering the story into a new direction that feels relatively organic. Mm-hmm. Like, I want sure. to stick with these characters after five. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I mean, we're going to get into all of it in characters because, I mean, there's there's a lot happening in this and a lot of good to talk about as well. So before we get into that, we need a two-minute plot summary. What's the plot? <laughs> I think that our special, special guest, Mr. Matthew, <laughs> would uh, love to take on this challenge, so... You're, well, you're that special. You're that special. <laughs> Double special. Yes. Um, I, will, I will try and not screw it up as badly as I did for five. Um, I left I out it. Dewey's death in five, which was a major plot point. <laughs> <laughs> um, Forgot about that. Yeah. So, uh, who's going to time? I think it's uh, I'll, producer Brian. Um, yep, I'll time it. This okay. is your redemption. Um, oh, God. <laughs> and... Don't worry, I didn't click the calculator, so we're, like, on track. Yes, um, already all a right. good start. Matt, two minutes. What happens in Scream 6? Go. Exterior, New York City. We push in. It's New York. Yes. Um, Samara Weaving, gorgeous Samara Weaving, with her beautiful Australian accent, is sitting at the bar. She is waiting for her date, who is lost. Her date calls to try and get directions. She goes outside to try and help him find the restaurant. Obviously walks down a dark, deserted alley, of which there's probably only one of those left in New York City. Um, (laughs) And surprise, there's a killer in it, and she gets stabbed to death. The killer takes the mask off, and we get a killer reveal in the opening scene. Yes. I think the first. Mm -hmm. Um, Killer goes home, cleans up, gets a phone call from... A different killer, his boyfriend, his roommate, who's a, a, a partner to him. They have a back and forth. He One gets minute. killed. Oh, fuck. <laughs> you got it. He gets killed, finds his partner. The killers are already dead. Um, Sam, she's in therapy. Her therapist is dumping her. Uh, the rest <laughs> of the group are at a party, a frat party. Um She goes to pick up the rest at the party. She gets harassed in public about conspiracy theories. They go to the police station and on the way get attacked in a bodega. We meet Kirby, Detective Bailey. They're leaving masks from the other movies of the franchise. Gail gets punched. The core four have a tender moment. They escape being attacked via a ladder to Hot Boy's apartment. Um, There's a shrine. Gail gets attacked in her apartment. They set a trap. They get attacked on the subway. They get attacked in the shrine. Is it Kirby? Is Kirby the killer? It's not. It's, uh, what's his name? Richie's family. It's the detective, the dead roommate who was really not dead, and Ethan, her, his brother. Nailed it! Right in under the wire there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you got through it. 
I got wonderful, through that. Wonderful. I think the beginning, was, the beginning was my favorite part. New York yeah. City. New York City. Center of the universe. New York City. jungle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, let's get into our first segment, which is likes and gripes. And now are likes and gripes. And I'm going to say, Brian, do you want to start us off with the likes and gripes and kind of tell us your relationship or how you felt about Scream 5? Four hours later. Okay, so... (laughs) Yes. um, I recently rewatched Scream 5, same as Matt, had not seen it since movie theaters, and I liked it so much more better the second time. Mm. I think that once you get all the plot points out of the way, I think the movie does a spectacular job of introducing us to new characters and actually trying to say something about fandom. Um, so I think that it's actually really, really good. Um, I also think that it does a spectacular job of ending Nev Campbell's story. And I think that, you know, she passed on her final girl. She passed on her trauma. She was more okay with who she is in the end and helps Sam kind of, like, understand that, like, it doesn't go away. It stays with you forever. That that last... I thought that's all excellent, but I watched it knowing that she's not in this one. So like I had a very different, you know, feeling about that. Yeah. I've seen Scream 6 twice. Wow. Okay. Super fan. Uh, I, I loved it. Uh, it is top three Scream movies for me. Like I, I, I fell I in love it. with it. I think that Scream 5 is a better movie. It's a better two hour narrative journey, but this one is 10 times more fun. Yes. Um, and Agreed. I just absolutely, I, I chase, um, as a movie fan, as a horror fan, I chase that adrenaline of like when the movie ends, you're just jacked up. And this movie gave me that like, like times 10. So like super, super into it. But I'm going to start with my gripes because, um, because I want to start, I want to start there. Um, the opening sequence is a top opening sequence for me. However, um, Tony Revolori's voice was so clear in the phone call that it really took me out of it. I knew he was in the movie, and I could hear his voice when he's talking to Samara Weaving, and that really mm. took me out completely until the face reve- until you reveal it's him, and then I'm like, okay, here we go. To me, the movie started when he revealed himself in the alley because I knew it was him, and I was like, did this whole movie get spoiled for me because the sound editing was crappy? Like it really mm. bothered me. Um, but so that was a gripe because it just took me out of the scene. Um, on second rewatch of this movie, um, uh, the New York geography kind of checks out enough. So I'm going to leave that off as a gripe a little bit. Like Blackmore College is on um, the two five line in Brooklyn. So I'm assuming they're all living in Brooklyn in those apartments. Uh, I think it's um, supposed okay. to be Brooklyn College. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that's where it's filmed. Right. <clears throat> on that campus, maybe. Or what's all filmed in Canada, I think. Um, (laughs) Then another gripe is, so if they're taking from the train from 96, 10 stop lower, (laughs) you're telling me that that theater is in Chelsea? Like, I don't believe that. Um, So that's a second thing. And then Uh, I thought that was the Sunshine Cinema that is closed. Oh, is it? Down on Houston Street. Oh, I think that's what it was supposed to be. Because I think 10 stops is around like 18th from 96th. Um, I counted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so so that that was another one. But like, it's fine. Um, uh, I'm the gripe. I'm the gripe. 
I am so mad at myself for the movie being Scream 6 directly related to Scream 2 and I just like we'll get to the reveal and why I'm so mad at myself for not guessing it like Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that um, I'm the gripe. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> I'm the gripe. It's me. Wait, can I just speak on, on that? Yeah. Because I was really mad at, at myself because there were all of these fan rumors about Stu and people were analyzing like the subway poster and how like Stu's name was kind of like blurred out. And, and it was just this whole like conspiracy theory. Okay. But I was into it and I was in it. And so when the final reveal happened, I was just so upset that Stu was not involved in it at all that that was but but that's me though like that at first that was a gripe mm-hmm. for me but I'm, I love that you said that Brian because actually no it's my expectation of what I thought it should have been it doesn't mean that the reveal was bad it's just that I wanted it to be something else so it's not really a gripe yeah and I this- am the gripe. <laughs> And this series has, uh, maybe aside from Jill, has never had a killer who was a pre-established character. Every single time, the killer has been a new character in the movie, not including the first one or Jill. The first one doesn't count because they're all friends. It's the first one. Jill is a character who exists in this universe, but she's new to the movie. So that's, that's, that's... One or the other. So, like, mm-hmm. this one, oh, another great segue, My another one of my gripes was died 1996. Don't you tell me that Stu died in 1996 <laughs> on, the, oh, on the board. Oh, yes. <laughs> but, but then, you know, Mindy has that, like, if you believe he's dead, and it's like, that was for all of us, and I appreciate that. Was that was for all of us. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, uh-huh. Another gripe is the trailer. I was able to put pieces together to know what was going to happen in action sequences and tense sequences at the end. For instance... In the trailer, Mindy is the one who gets pushed up against the subway door. So you knew at the end of that, she was the one who was going to be attacked by Ghostface, not everybody on the other train. So, like, all of that stuff lives in my head and kind of undercuts the tension of watching it for the first time. um, So you have that. I wish the knife kills were more interesting. I think there were some really interesting kills, but I thought the knife stabs were pretty... um, Monotonous, Same stab, same place every single time. Totally fine. That's the MO. If I look back, it might relate directly to certain kills that the ghost face had. I'm wondering if that happened. But, like, that's a whole nother level of dissecting this movie. Dissecting. Um, um, I don't think this movie had much to say. Um, I think that it starts to get into cancel culture and then stops short of actually saying anything about it. Um, Maybe it's just cancel culture because they're trying to break Sam down to break her and they're using cancel culture to do that but I don't think the movie says anything as interesting about society as Scream 5 has to say about toxic fandom um, maybe it has something to say about toxic parenting um, but that's we can talk about that as well um, the logistics how did nobody know that these pieces of uh, memorabilia slash evidence were missing two um, the theater in general, I just do, I don't know if I believe that that like this abandoned theater like nobody like saw people going in and out. Anyway, also mm-hmm. I don't understand if Detective Bailey changed his name. He still needs to be a registered cop to be transferred. I'm really confused about the logistics of how he became a police officer in New York, even though his last name was like what's Rishi's last name, Kirsch or whatever it is. Like mm-hmm. I just got very confused by those logistics. But again, that's me on the second viewing. But like, wait a second. Um, um, oh, my other gripe is people. Um, I'm just really sick of TikTok people being like, I can't. 
I saw Scream 6 and I actually liked it. It's like, get over yourself. Get over yourself. Right. This is not high art. Oh, you actually liked it because Nev Campbell wasn't in it? Or like, you th- like get over yourself. This is not the narrative they're saying. I'm so sick. I mean, you're probably doing it for views, but I'm so sick of being like, I actually liked it. It's like, yeah, of course you did it. Scream, who cares? We all like the who third one. Cares? Like, like, we all like the fourth one. Like, it doesn't yes. matter. Like, we got what we came for. I just, the people bother me. Um, <laughs> when people come back to life, it undercuts the deaths in this, but like, it's also Scream, so I don't care. But like, it is what it yeah. is, core four forever. Um, um, <laughs> I don't believe that David wouldn't go and run and knock on their door after she didn't answer the phone. Uh, when, mm. when, when Ghostface was in the, um, uh, the Quinn's room. room. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Tara was stabbed twice and still walking around. Like, I believe that she is, like, amazing, but, like, that's a lot. Um, and my number one gripe of this entire film is there is absolutely no way that David had a full-size industrial ladder in his small New York City apartment. <laughs> There's no way. Okay. That's it. Yes. Unless he quickly ran to the roof and, like, pulled it from, like, his, you know, the, the super and then, like, put it there. But, like, uh-uh, didn't, no way. However, that scene was so incredible that it immediately left my brain. That scene made <laughs> me so nauseous. I know. Yeah. Okay, likes. The sound, I'm going to go through these quickly. The sound, I'm, I'm shaking because I love this movie so much. Sound <laughs> design and editing, all the dripping blood and the tension, like, truly fully artist master. Um, mm-hmm. I thought this was emotionally and viscerally satisfying. I I was so mad the first time we watched this a little bit when she was holding that mask at the end. And she's like, what well, should I, you know, is this still inside me? Her throwing it down on the ground. I didn't need a lingering emotional cliffhanger. I didn't. Mm. And this movie was just like, hey, like Sydney told me in the movie before. I am going to carry this regardless. So I need to do the work on myself. You know, just like my sister is able to, I'm able to let go of my sister. I have to let go of Billy. I have to let go of this. Whether it comes back in another form in the future, fine. But in this one, I don't have to like think about it on a daily basis. Like, ugh, is she going to become a this or that? Like over that. So happy. That was a like. Um, I, I did like the overt, like, let go, let go of me. Because at least it yes. led to like a super cool fucking badass um, Jenna Ortega moment. Um, <laughs> this movie felt like the characters and the creative team could breathe a little bit. It feels like all of the work that they did in five paid off in this one because they knew who the characters were. The actors were having so much fun together. In addition to the fact that um, the trauma from five influenced everything here. So the characters had a little bit more of an interesting journey. Um, mm. Um, the opening with two kills, great. I love Core 4. I can't wait to watch a million more movies with the Core 4. They're just so deeply charming. Um, question for the group. <clears throat> sure, there were three killers in this, but were there four or five? Do we consider Scream 6 a movie with five killers? Hmm. Oh, because of the, the two ones that happened in the beginning? Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, Greg, it sounds like Greg on the phone never did a kill before. That's why, like... He's like, oh, you practice, I want to practice. Like, mm-hmm. So I, I can imagine it being a four, but there are four people who are after Sam in this movie. Mm. One just happens to get ghost-faced at the beginning. So my question is, like, is this a four-movie reveal? Is this a five-movie reveal? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. That's a, that's a hard question because, I mean... Because Scream 6 has only- four ghost faces. 
Right. But that was only to set up, like, the main ghost sure. face. You know? Yeah. So I don't think it, in the context of... And, and the ghost face is someone who has killed, like, multiple people already, right? And so, like, the, the two at the beginning, like, one never killed someone, and then this one, like, only killed one person. So, like, if we're trying to go down the serial killer path, I don't think I would consider the other two a part of, like, the ghost face legacy. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like, they're copycat killers, not, sure. act, yeah. not the actual real right. thing. Matt, thoughts? Yeah, I, I hadn't considered that. I think... So... It like the victims in this movie, we got a lot of nameless victims. People that died mm-hmm. in the bodega, um, Courtney Cox's boyfriend who doesn't even get a name, mm-hmm. he just gets cut. Um, yeah. Like, this is the first movie to have, like, uh, extras like that fall by the way of Ghostface. And oh, so sure. I think that those people will just, like, probably not be referenced and fall away kind of like the killers in the very beginning, I think that they may mm. not qualify. They may be just like the copycat. Cool. That's yeah. an interesting... I I like that. We're, we're not gonna... Yeah, because like if we're gonna rank our favorite kills in this movie, like her boyfriend doesn't even come close to making... Like he dies off screen. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, cool. The double knife clean? Amazing. Uh, yes. <laughs> after they kill Chad. Oh, Matt, I had a question for you. Yeah. Is this the first time we see two Ghostface killers on screen at the same time in full regalia? And I'm not talking about, like, going to the bathroom and Scream 2 and she sees, like, you know what I mean? I'm talking about, like, two actual ghost faces where they have the full regalia on. Not, like, one has already revealed itself and the other one comes in. Like, full the two killers in mass killing. I think you might be right. I think this is the first one where they're, like, two or... Is there even a moment when all three of them are dressed up? No, the no, cop never no, dresses up. No, because he comes in after, like, in the yeah. with Kirby. In his like, police yeah, yeah. stuff. But yeah, well, I, think, I think you're right. There's two fully dressed killers in this. Um, and has Gail never really talked to Ghostface? I was really intrigued when she was on the phone and they were just talking about, like, um, that Gail had never actually talked to Ghostface herself. Does she talk Does to him happen? during the barn that that sequence? Happen. The movie barn sequence, or no? No. She talks to Dewey on the phone as she's going. Oh, Dewey, right. Mm. So right. I think that was really interesting, the fact that yeah. throughout all of this, Gail's never talked to Ghostface. Also, this movie, these movies have a little bit of gray area between like what actually happened in the movies we've seen and how mm. Stab portrays those. Because like... Fair. Would would ghost would a ghost face this many generations in actually know if Gail or talk to the like the 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 voice changer or not? I don't know, but it was still for us. It doesn't matter. Yeah. These movies right. are all just right. you know they're for uh, the fans. Yeah, it's exactly. All, good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Something else I love about this. I love that we can all add another. If you liked it, I don't know yet because I'm taking up a lot of time. Um, uh, I love that we can add another one. Best Halloween movie, best movie set around Halloween to our lists, mm-hmm. and That's a good uh, one. best like New York mm-hmm. setting uh, uh, lists. Yeah. Um, so here's a question for the group: Do you think this movie used New York enough? I think it used the horrors of New York enough <laughs> because the subway system is a horror movie, and I, I think that it's just enough for you to be immersed in the 
claustrophobia of it all. Hmm. Because there's a lot of people around. We have the parties. We have the subways. We have even just kind of walking through the, the parks and the bodega things. I think that it's, it's just enough without having to push in your face. We are in New York. I think they use just the right amount, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm gonna, I, I agree with you on that. I think that the real, um, the real thing that works is the ability to hide in plain sight. Right, mm-hmm. fully dressed up as Ghostface. It's Halloween. Mm. There's like thirty of them on the subway, and mm-hmm. so you never know who's actually after you and who's just like some drunk kid on their way to a party. Sure, Jamie. Yeah, I agree. I think that like between that, the park, um, like walking. I mean, campus ish, but like the bodega. Like I think there's enough set pieces that it, it feels exciting enough that it's taking place in a different location and you know like highlights some of the New York experience like I don't know I'm trying to think of like what else would have been like a good set piece in New York that would have made sense Um, but it's like both public enough but still where you could still be vulnerable and I think they they chose locations well for that yeah Yeah. I I, this felt like a group of young adults living in New York and this, like, there wouldn't have been a chase scene through Times Square. I, that wouldn't have been believable. That right. would have felt like a movie. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly, you know, exactly. Like, the only thing I may have wanted is the Halloween parade in the village. Um, mm. But mm. aside from that, like, the subway got it done, especially with all those Easter eggs. Easter eggs is another one of my favorite likes from this, yeah. just in general. Um, yeah. We can talk about this more during someone else's turn, but just the pure echoes of Scream 2 in this, from literally the screen and the finale happening in a theater at the end to, yes. like, the familial yes. reveal. Uh, we'll talk more about that. Um, shout out to the last podcast on the left, uh, the horror <laughs> podcast. We've got I a full that. poster in the opening scene. So cool. Oh, word. Um, yes. Um, the subway scene, the tension and cutting between the two was, pun intended, cutting between the two was really great. Um, I just think that this movie proved the strength of the Scream concept outside of the actors who we know make up Scream before this. Um, mm-hmm. I think that was really impressive. Um, and uh, uh, is Kirby going to become their Gale or Dewey? Um, counting down. I liked counting down to Billy and Sam. Um, Mm -hmm. Was this our first police officer? Now that Dewey is dead, I found it fascinating that this is our first officer or somebody of the law who is actually the bad guy. Um, Mm. We uh, we thought it was going to be, what's his name from the, when we watched the fourth one for the first time, I thought it was going to be Patrick Dempsey who gets another shout out in this one. Mm -hmm, But like, mm -hmm. I think this is our first like law enforcement to actually be Ghostface, which is fascinating. Post a Dewey, in a post Dewey world. Um, Damn. Great fake out. Quinn talking to her dad on the phone while being killed to add ghost face. Spectacular fake out all around. Fully got mm, me. Mm-hmm. Jamie whispered to me during the movie, oh, it's the it's the cop and his daughter. And then the daughter <laughs> dies yeah. like two scenes later, and we were like, oh, damn. What the <laughs> what? Like, um, um, uh, the airdrop from David was a, from next door was an excellent use of technology. Um, yeah. uh Supportive parents coughing up. Oh, Quinn coughing up her teeth. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> the after credit sequence, Chef's Kiss. Um, and uh, last thing I'll say is our theater cheered more during this movie than any Marvel movie I've ever seen there. Mm. Um, 
when mm-hmm. she, when every single bad guy at the end got like killed or their teeth knocked out, cheers. When Kirby turned that chair around, cheers. When um, when uh, Mindy and Kirby were going through their favorites from franchises, cheers and booze. Um, and then uh, and maybe more importantly, uh, the theater cheered when um, when she stabs Dermot Mulroney in the face, and then Ortega turns to her and goes. Nice. Like, <laughs> yes. Um, so that, that's everything I have for this one. I've got quotes on quotes on quotes that I will bring up if we talk about those scenes. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, I took forever, but I fucking love this movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I I will go next because I only have three things because Brian has said everything that I like. I don't want to re- repeat Great. everything. So sorry. I ruined the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's all good. But I want to piggyback off of because I wanted to start by talking about the theater experience because I knew that I only had like one time to see this movie because of the the shows for the weekend. So um, I text a couple of people from the cast and then we had a huge turnout of people from uh, our Hamilton company come out and all watch it together, which was really special. And so we were in this three o'clock afternoon showing of of Scream (laughs) and there were a few other people in the audience too. uh, But it was really nice because it was a small group, but we were all so interactive with it that it made the viewing experience so wonderful because everybody was cheering and you know when things were happening we're just all in it and I think the moment that had the most volume in the audience was when Gail was fighting Ghost Killer and we think that Gail's got him and then the Ghost Killer takes that piece of glass and stabs her in the side the audience just went crazy everybody was just up in arms just because we, we were all so in it and I just want to also point out the fact that, I mean, I've, I've been to movies with, with my castmates a lot, and I love them, but they love talking through movies. But when I tell you everyone was just so quiet during <laughs> a lot of the parts because they were so into it, and I think it's just a testament of how much, and, and, and a lot of these people aren't Scream fans, you know? There's only a few of us that really, like, knew the franchise, and there were some people who this was their first Scream movie that they've ever watched. And to that, I will say that what I enjoyed was the little bit of uh, exposition that's given in the therapy session with Mm. Sam, because then you can get an idea of kind of what is happening without really having to go back and feel like you're totally lost Mm. in the world. So I think that Scream did a great job of if there are new people watching this, they're able to follow along with it. I love everything about this. Love all the ghost killers. Love that ghost killer had a gun in his hand. That sent chills down my spine just to see him without a knife for just even for that second. Uh, And I love that this movie doesn't take itself too seriously, yet it puts out such great content. And this was definitely for the fans. And it doesn't have to be too extreme. And like Brian said, there wasn't a lot that uh, the movie was trying to portray, but it was just a fun time all around. And one of my friends pointed out that this one, this movie didn't have a big kill in it. We were talking about like Dewey's death and all that stuff. And so I was just wondering, and I don't know if you guys know anything about what the movie would have been if uh, Sydney was in it, but I'm wondering if Sydney was in the movie, would there have been like a big kill? Like would Gail still be alive or, you know, so I, I don't know. I just kind of think of um, what would have happened if Sydney was in this movie and that people who were in the previous movie, they all lived in, and now we'll be, I guess, in the next screen movie. But there core wasn't four. like a core four. <laughs> but I was really expecting like 
a Gale to die this time or, you know, whatever the case may be. So it was just um, really interesting that there wasn't a huge kill. And the last thing I'll say is that I loved all of the Halloween costumes and there was someone yes. dressed as Wednesday yes. Adams. There was someone dressed as the Midsummer Flower May yeah. Queen. <laughs> there was like us. And it was just so nice that it was so updated without having to be so kind of in your face that we're in this time period, if that makes sense. Because sure. I think some movies that are coming around, it's so trying to gear itself towards Gen Z or whatever. And I feel like that's how Hocus Pocus was in a way of just mm. trying to make sure we put all of this new technology and blah, blah, blah in it. But with this one, it just feels like you get all the nostalgia from the other movie, but it's just set in this time period and you don't need any extra things to make it um, appear as though we are in this time period, if that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, we'll watch it again. 10 out of 10 for me. Everything was great. Uh, loved it. Matt or Jamie? Either one? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the audio is one of my, is my top note on here. It was so good. They used Red Right Hand. Mm. They used Dewey's theme. When she's talking about mm, Dewey, yeah. they mm, used mm. Um, the Marco Beltrami when they're coming out of the police station. All the reporters are asking questions, like in the first one. Like, the, the music mm -hmm, yeah. and the sound effects were like... Like, when they're in the shrine and they're running up the stairs, the audio that's playing is she's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. And, like, like those <laughs> yes. moments were just like, oh, you did so well with the sound. Um, yeah. The New York apartments were another one of my likes. They lived in a tiny yeah. little apartment where the bedroom fits just a bed. And things yeah. like that. Just yeah. a bed. And obviously, yes. Gail's a TV star. She has a nice, big, beautiful apartment on the Upper West Side. Sure. And yeah. Upper West Side, yes. Um, <laughs> and my another, my last like, is Melissa Barrera's eyebrows are just so perfect. <laughs> They're fantastic. They're so perfect. Fantastic. Um, yes. My gripes are that this was super violent, which is like stepping mm. away from the uh, the first three, um, which is a natural progression. I get it. It's like bigger, grosser, it's mm. more modern, yeah. violence in cinema. Like that has always been a conversation in Scream, but like gross. Um, <laughs> what was I loved it to you to you? What was the most violent? It was the kill of them all. The stab in the gut. And the twisting of the knife where you see the skin grab mm. the edge of the knife and twist with it. Mm. I was like, oh, I hear sure. that. I don't know that's, if I can look at that. That's the Aniko yeah. one? Her girlfriend? Uh, yeah, I think so. On the yeah, mantle? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or whatever. In the, yeah. Oof, too much. Um, my so biggest much. gripe is something I had with Five and that I have with this movie and that they have yes. wonderful set pieces. They have important, big, mind-blowing locations that they are going to reveal in these movies, and they blow it in the trailer right away. If they had yeah. walked into that shrine yeah. and I didn't know it, I would have, like, screamed in delight. Like, that shrine is somewhere I want to go. Yeah, that's fair. Like, mm -hmm. in, with Stu's yeah. house in five, if that was a surprise, the audience would have lost their mind. But they give it right. They give it away right. immediately, and that's a gripe of mine. Yeah, I think yeah. I 
couldn't agree with That's you more. Point. Our yeah. our society makes such a big deal out of trailers. It helps sells the movie even more now. There's a whole industry in trailer reactions and all of that stuff that like moments like that take away from the actual first viewing experience. I could not agree with you more. Totally. Like, even if the yeah. trailer just said, like, oh, man, they're dropping masks from previous killers. Like, cool, whatever. And then you get the full shrine in the movie. Like, yeah, I, I totally agree. So, wait, Matt, I have a question before we move to Jamie. I can't tell from your likes and gripes. Did you like this movie? I did <laughs> like this movie. Okay. <laughs> yes. My gripes are small. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you like it in comparison to five? Like, which would you choose to want to watch again, five or six? I think six. Uh, I think I like it more okay. than five. Yeah. Because I think I said this when we talked about five. I'm ready for this franchise to go off the rails. Right. And this is <laughs> yes. them like dipping a toe in that water. Uh-huh. Right? It felt like big. It felt funny. It felt like a little yes. bit over the top at times. Like, come on. Let's ghost face in space. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> yes. Space. Time travel. Time travel, yes. Oh, man. Time travel. Can you imagine if the next one was time travel and they de-aged everyone in the first one? Oh, God. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Just like Skeeter, Cousin Skeeter. Those those flashbacks, I was like, they're putting some CGI on that boy. And I love that he still has that fucking 90s Boy Meets World haircut. Right down the middle. Part it right down the middle. Part it right down the middle. Always love it. All right, Jamie, give it to us. Your likes and gripes, please. Yeah, I feel like most of the things have been said, but I I really do like the way that they portray different types of trauma responses in our mm. two leads. And because it's like different, you have yeah. Sam who's like still very much like reeling and like wants to face it and also definitely wants to explore like, you know, what is it? when she thinks about it and like thinks more positively about killing, like what's going on there. Like she, Mm -hmm. she wants to be able to unpack that. And unfortunately it seems Mm -hmm. like the therapists that she encounter are not skilled enough and, you know, willing to engage in that with her, which sucks because it's like, you have somebody who like has insight that like wants to lean in, like, that's an ideal client right there. Yeah. And they're all they're all just wasting, you know, I don't have time for for lazy therapists. Um, so exactly. I really liked her. But on the flip side, you have Tara who like just wants to go back to normal. She's avoiding dealing with all of that stuff and just wants to like just, you know, bypass all of the pain to go right back to the way that her life was or or is supposed to be. And that's also very real. Like as, as humans, like we do not like experiencing pain or distress. We will do whatever we need to, to like not have to deal with it. So it felt very real, especially as a young person who's like, I'm in college. Like, I just want to live my life. I want to make bad decisions. Like, but like, it's my stuff, you know, like that Mm -hmm. felt like a very realistic response as well to the things that happened. So I, I really, really like that. One of my like more minor gripes is that the other two characters in the core four don't really seem to have any responses to the trauma. Um, mm. Like mm-hmm. I, we're not like getting as much into them, which again, they're not like the primary characters. So I get that, right. but like, I don't know. They're just, you'd think that there would be more of like, wow, we like really went through some like difficult stuff 
And, and then we get like Mindy going through the rules, which I loved. I obviously we talk about rules all the time. Um, we are a rules love, positive podcast, oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> but give I was just like, come yes. on, Mindy, like rules. give us, give us the rules. What's going to happen? I was like, where's the, like, you know, a little bit more, but I also get it that she's like, you know, the, the relationship to Randy and like, him not necessarily also taking some of it as seriously, like respecting the rules, but maybe even a little bit more fearful of the rules than they feel like Mindy is. Mindy's very matter of fact about everything. Yes. And I, I just wish that there was a little bit, or there are moments where she's like a little bit more fearful, like when she's actually getting stabbed. But like, I, I wish that there was a little bit more of like, this is like scary, but this is what I've learned from it. And so here are the things that we have to abide by to protect ourselves It's just more of like, this is just how things go. And so like, let me tell you. Right. Especially if Um. you just said that (laughs) everybody is up for grabs as far as dying. So now you know your chances are greater of dying. And then even in the scene where they're in the van and she mentions like her (laughs) uncle died in a van, but there's still not a sense of like fear in that. That's Mm -hmm. such a great point. I didn't even realize that. Also, spoiler alerts for other franchises in this one. Like, if you didn't know how, like, Star Wars or James Bond or some of those (laughs) other ones ended, then you're just, like, fully spoiled in this one. Yeah. I mean, I think they, like, tried to pick franchises that are, like, so well-known that hopefully people were, like, wait, what? Like, in the theater, like, totally shocked. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Oh, man. Yes. Um, Um, I I do want to shout out Jamie because... Jamie whispered to me. So I'm not a bad moviegoer. I just want to. No. I want to preface that because when you say that I'm whispering to you, it makes it seem like everyone's like, "Oh my god, she must be the worst to go to the movies to." Mm-mm. And I don't know why, but like I was very much in sleuthing mode watching this movie. Yeah. I know other times people will like just watch it and like take it all in, but I very much was like, "No, I, I want to solve this as it's happening." Also, because yep. we just watched Missing, which also has a similar sleuthy vibe where you're trying to figure out what's going on. Also, shout out to Jasmine Savoy Brown, who's also in that. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I just had like my detective cap on, and I was like going in, ready to solve this whodunit. So now you can tell me what I did. Sure. So <laughs> she had a spect. She leaned. On- so during the um, during the, the interrogation scene, the cop says two lines. The first one is, I think I can vouch for Quinn, so that's one less we have to worry about. The second one he says is, uh, Barrera says this, or Sam says this, so our roommate's dad just happened to pull our case. Um, Jamie immediately leaned over to me and said, oh, it's Quinn and the cop. Like, it's not a question, it's Quinn and the cop. Like, Like, this is who it is. And because Quinn, I forget if she says it before or after that scene, where I think it's before that scene. It's where before. Quinn says that thing about, like, relating to her because of her brother. And Jamie yes. and I literally leaned into each other, like, who could the brother be? Like, what no, I think movies? I told you who the brother was. Oh, did you say Richie? Yeah. I oh. was like, oh, it's Richie. Oh, I, I must have missed that. <laughs> but, like... Knew it. I was such a dummy because I'm just like, well, who could it be? Could it be? And then Quinn dies, and I'm just like, oh, I saw the cop. And then we thought that the other ghost face went rogue and killed his daughter. And so he, mm. as a ghost face, wanted to catch the other ghost face. You had this, like, weird dichotomy at the end, like, trying to trap his his his, his team mate, if you will. Um, that was obviously not the case. Um, but uh, 
I was so mad at myself. I was like full of rage that I was like, of course, this is Scream 2. It's just the family. It's the parent. Like, what the hell is wrong with me? This movie, pun intended, phones it in on purpose the whole time. The screen in the theater. It's in a theater. They're at college. They're at college. Yes. Like, I was so mad at myself for, and then of course, (laughs) what's his name from Avatar 2 was the other one. Um, (laughs) But, uh, so much older. Still very, still, you know, I could believe that he was definitely one of the killers having seen Mm -hmm. Avatar 2, where he's like just ripped and not wearing a shirt the whole time. Like, that guy was buff. Oh. So I'm like, yeah, of course he's, like, surviving all of this stuff and, like, mm-hmm. wild, to- like, wild body training. Uh, yes. Matt, one, did you guess it? Two, did you have a similar Jill problem with Quinn uh, in terms of, like, no way she's taking out hit her, Gail's hunky boyfriend? So I, uh, <laughs> I did not guess it. I'm in the other camp from Jamie. I'm in the, like, oh, I'm going to surrender and just watch this movie. I did not try to figure mm. out who it was. Mm. Um, I just had a good time. I didn't have as much of a problem with Quinn as I did with Jill and Amber in Five. Um, mm. Mostly because they don't specifically say who did what. Like, you can kind of backwards figure out, well, it must have been that person because this person was here and that sort of thing. But, like, in Five, mm. they specifically say Amber killed Dewey. Dude. Which I so don't in this buy. One, she, in this one, uh, Quinn does say, um, "I enjoyed stabbing Mindy and Gail." Mm, okay, but but there are three, so that doesn't mean that there weren't two ghost faces in her apartment. Yeah. I guess right. But actually, was was her brother? No, her brother was with them, so it had to have been her. It was her. It definitely was her. I, I only know that because I saw it twice, <laughs> um, and I was looking. I was looking for those things. Yeah. So, yeah, Um, I mean, like, I, there wasn't a lot of, like, physical strength that was required. Like, she, she snuck up on the boyfriend and, like, could have easily cut his throat right away and he's down. Mm -hmm. Um, Totally. And then she just chases Gail around. There's no, like, she gets, she gets a dirty move with the um, piece of glass, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So she doesn't, it's not like she ever overpowers her or anything like that. So I'm, I'm going to say I buy it. Yeah. Also, big like Gail calling back to hear where the phone is coming from. Yes. Yes. That's uh, Sydney makes that move in Scream Three. Oh, that's right. She calls Roman back. Oh, Roman, great line. Roman Bridger was the only single ghost face. Kudos to him for ambition. (laughs) Yes. Crazy. Oh, also going back to Jamie guessing it. uh, You kind of can't follow up. A scene where uh, Sam says, oh, I'll give you my therapist's information, and, and then he's immediately killed. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Co- like That was like, like a... All of the information that the cop had was always related to who was dying and what was happening. And I was right. like, he's the only one who... He's, like, telling them, like, oh, maybe, like, do this in a... Like, travel in public. Like, oh, public transit? Okay. It's like, of course, right. of course he's in on it. Yeah. Yeah. And then he said there was a, there was one line um, that he says I've lost both of my kids now after mm-hmm. Quinn supposedly dies. Mm-hmm. But I thought that his other um, 
child was Stu and that it was just like some relation oh, to that. Oh. So I definitely was like, oh yeah, it's the dad and we didn't necessarily see Quinn die. Mm. We just saw the body. Mm. And so it's like, okay. So I was like on board with the police and, and Quinn being involved the whole time, but I didn't think about Richie at all. Yeah. In, sure. in this one. But I yeah. did I did love his line at the end where he was like, Yeah, and then uh Detective Bailey was supposed to find the shrine, but like Gail just like knocked it out of the park or whatever he said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um uh, so I have a Good called investigative journalism oh for a reason. Exactly. <laughs> right, so before we move into mm, brains, I do want to ask some questions to the group that I think are very important. Um, <laughs> did we like Chad and Tara as a as a as a as a ship? I don't know. It seemed a little f- a little forced, in in my opinion, just kind of coming in but I also need to rewatch. like I've only seen five when we talked about it in the theater so maybe I missed something in five that could have led into them having that kind of relationship in six mm-hmm. but just watching it then I thought oh, you're just trying to like put people together there's no there's really no need for it they're already core four you can just leave them at that without having a romantic interest sure. that's my opinion Jamie yeah, I, I feel similarly where it felt a little forced. I think that, like, they do have the bond of having experienced all of these traumas together that might bring them closer, but I don't think that that's necessarily, like, then you need to make them be in a relationship. Sure. I also completely forgot that they're the same age because he looks so much older than her. Because they go <laughs> so to school. So much older. Because they go to school together. Like, they... Right. Anyway, Matt, did you like that, not like that? Uh, I'm I'm fine with it. I think what they're trying to do is uh, like set up because there was Dewey and Gale were like the the relationship in mm. the past, and Chad is kind of f- slotting into that Dewey spot where he gets like stabbed almost to death in every movie, and then gets wheeled sure. out in a gurney at the end. He's yeah. like, "I'm still alive, guys." Yes. Um, so, like, maybe, like, not yeah, dead not dead yet. yet. They're kind of, like, tying that in. Um, I don't really, I don't mind it, but um, my, I do, in the beginning, Chad is shirtless at the frat party, and they make a point to put Tara's scar on her hand where the knife went through, but mm-hmm. that, like, beautiful ripped body is scar-free. <laughs> oh, my God, you're totally right. I didn't right. think totally about right. that. I remember seeing the hand, too, and, like, didn't look for anybody else's, yeah. Because even Kirby has a, a, even Kirby Mm -hmm. has a scar Mm -hmm. these years later, and nothing on him. Sorry, too gorgeous to put scars on. Amazing. Indestructible. (laughs) He's indestructible. I hate this movie now. No. Um, (laughs) um, Who was the makeup artist? (laughs) Um, Next question. Is Nightmare on Elm Street the best Nightmare on Elm Street movie? Yeah. No, new nightmare. The the um, the meta one. The meta, the meta one. one. Yeah. That's my favorite. No, I think one. the first one is my favorite. Yeah, I think yeah. the first one is okay. still my favorite. All right. Uh, what's the best Friday the Thirteenth movie? Is it two? Is it the last chapter? Or is it another? It's another. It's seven. New Blood with uh, Tina the telekinetic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have seen it. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's so many I haven't seen. It is seen. like a There's little so bit carry, a little bit. Oh, let's do that one. <laughs> Obsessed. Let's do that one for the October Friday the 13th. Okay. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Boom. Okay. I think I know Jamie's answer. Oh. Oh. 
<laughs> I was like, I didn't know we were still talking about uh, those ones. Yeah, Jason X is definitely uh, the top tier of the Friday the 13th movies. He goes to space. I mean, yeah. He goes to space. Yes. I mean, I will say that was along the lines of fun campy. And I think that's what Matt was talking about that he likes about, you know, the continuation of some of these chains. Um, But yeah, that, that space one really got me. I mean, that was a fun, talk about a fun time. If you just really suspend all of your disbelief and just are watching it. Um, you yeah, know. the nanobites restore him. It's totally <laughs> the freezer thing. Oh, yeah. like, freezer that freezer kill is so yep. good. Yeah. That's a top kill that in like in my life. all slashers. I will yes. never forget it's so that. Good. It's so good. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, is Psycho 2 underrated? Yes. Yes. I never saw it. I've never seen it. It's not Hitchcock, but it's really good. And it's a female, right? No. That's, if Norman Bates oh, gets kidding. out of prison, uh, rehabilitated, oh. and he's trying to be a good boy so hard, but he gets a job at a <laughs> diner, and there are so many knives around. Oh. I'm dead. It's very knives. good. You <laughs> gotta put that on the list. <laughs> Original Candyman or requel Candyman? Well, that's both. That's both. Yeah, I liked both. I yeah. did like both, but I... I mean, Tony Todd in the original is just yeah. so good. Yeah. He's like such a smooth killer. I love him so much. Yeah, man, I could just yeah. listen to him like read the script like that yeah. voice. Yes. What a hunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, go back to yes. our Candyman episode to listen about us gushing over how hunky he is. Um, <laughs> um, and then, is it based on her whole history? Is it believable that Gail wrote another book about that and wrote, quote, um, you call me unstable and a born killer. That's taken out of context. That's literally a quote. <laughs> uh, I think it's believable. Yeah. yeah. As ambitious as Gail is, mm-hmm. she definitely kept writing stories. How could she yeah. afford that apartment otherwise? Yeah. Fair. That's her bread and butter. She <laughs> get that totally. New York Times bestseller out there. Yeah. Absolutely. I was just going to say, it, do we like that Kirby's introduction is that she is part of the FBI? Is that kind of believable that that would be her path after everything that's happened? Or did we not think twice about it? It was like, yay, she's just in the movie. <laughs> mm, I don't know if I believe that she'd be an FBI agent. I would mm. believe that she would be invested in, like, if there are future yes. ghost faces and would want to, like, go after them. And I guess the FBI is a very effective way to do that. But <laughs> yeah. I own uh, that's like also like pursuing a career based on like, you know, a hunch that this will continue. Um, right. Which I guess she got right. lucky. But actually, one of my gripes is that they pin her or try to pin her as the serial killer. And yes. that wasn't believable for no. me. Um, no. That that was like I felt like they were just throwing stuff at that point think, to try to distract well, yeah. Brian mentioned it earlier a little bit, but uh, they have never taken someone who has been a victim of Ghostface and flipped the switch and made them a killer. Like, no one has yeah, ever been stabbed I, and been like, that was a good idea. I'm going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really curious because I don't know. When you talk about the franchise going off the rails, one of the, like, former theories that I feel like is now resurfacing is the idea of Sydney having potentially become one of the killers. And now Mm. with Sam, who's like directly facing her, you know, like her, her history, but also her 
potential enjoyment of killing. I don't know if that's like the direction that they're planning on going in. And I don't know how I feel about that with the idea of like, would they then be using her like mental health as a way to justify her doing this or yeah. are it, like, if it's that I don't want it, but if it's, if there's right. something else that they want to explore with it, you know, I'm, I'm open. Uh, but it really depends on like how they would go about that. Cause I have, I have mixed feelings about like, what about that trajectory makes sense? Like I survived a serial killer. Now I too have a, a thirst for blood. <laughs> right. Eat, eat. <laughs> Yes. Uh, and just to go back, Gail does say, uh, when do they start to let children into the FBI? I wrote down many quotes. Oh, oh yeah. God. I'm um, 30. You look like a zygote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I also have, um, at the very beginning, who gives a fuck about movies? Yeah. I don't believe that yes. Ghostface would say that because he's doing it for his son, mm-hmm. who is creating the movies. So mm-hmm. that that's debatable. Um you can do a lot better than date rape than than date rape Frankie. Um, oh God, yeah. Uh, she sends her love, but she's taking Mark and the kids someplace safe. She deserved her happy ending. I, uh, when talking about Here. Sydney, I think that that's totally fine. I did not miss Sydney in this movie. I think this movie is worse with Sydney because it's not believable that she would put herself into the situation again. Yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's bringing Sydney out I of hiding again be. is if Gale is in serious danger or dies. Yes. Or yes. like Dewey. Or or if Ghostface directly attacks her and her family mm. to protect Correct. them. Totally. Um, uh, forget about the movies. The movies don't matter. Um we're hearing from sources inside the homicide division, though the, the, the news uh, person says this. We're hearing from sources inside the homicide division that the main suspect is none other than Sarah Carpenter. It's like, yeah, of course, because it's Detective Bailey. Um, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like when Tara says, none of us can relate to what you're experiencing. And I'm really sorry you have to deal with this alone. I thought that com- mm. that conversation was really special between them. Um, mm. And then she says, we've all been through a lot of stuff and coping with it differently. Um, fuck this franchise. Uh, yeah, <laughs> of course me. Um, oh, and my favorite line of the whole movie was, uh, really good parenting job, by the way. <laughs> when Jenna Ortega <laughs> yeah. said, oh, it was so good. Yeah. And then now die a fucking virgin was great. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, my, my favorite quote was, are you pledging Omega Beta Zeta? Yeah. A direct reference to Scream 2. Yeah. <laughs> um, I still well, have your koozie. So many good Easter eggs. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, but my, my major question for all of us before we get into um brains is, are we the core four? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> for the love of God, please, core somebody. Four. <laughs> yeah. Please. please. <laughs> core four. <laughs> um, man, Chad is so charming in this. Even when he he's going is. down, uh-huh. he's charming mm-hmm. when he's being stabbed by two ghost faces. Um, yeah. I was very sad when he died. And in any other movie, I would have been like, "Ugh, they're bringing it back." And this one, I was like, "Core four, we're back, baby." <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what uh, Screen Seven should be. Core four, we're back, baby. Yeah, <laughs> it writes itself. I mean, it writes itself. Although a good um, speak when Jamie was just talking about like the the line of of killers and and Sydney, I w- it would be interesting to, if like since Sydney has kids, if maybe like the kids would be 
after Sam and, and Tara as a way to be like stopping Ghostface altogether would be to just like end, you know, end Sam and Tara so mm. that like nobody will go after them anymore and that'll be done. It's going in a very dark proposing. direction. I know. It's very dark. <laughs> um, oh, but, but it'll circle back to Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm. Jamie did point out from podcast she listens to that there is absolutely no way that Sarah, uh, not uh, um, Sam, Tara, and Sam's mother does not become a character somewhere down. Seriously. In oh yeah. 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I even forgot that Sam was the the relationship. That like that's Billy's daughter, and just like that whole concept. Like I want to know what that history is. Like how they met, all the things. Yo, because I mean, that's your flashback. There you go. <laughs> we're right. We're writing this movie yes. right now. Core four, we're back, baby. We got it. We got it all together. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, should we get into mm, brains? Because I just need to hear about the therapy session Seriously. from Jamie. Oof. Oof. Let's Big get into oof. it. Jamie, okay. We need to make we need to put this therapist on our either good or bad therapist lists, and we'll remind everyone who's on our bad therapist list. And then if Sam would have told you those things, what would be your response to that? What do you think is the correct response if Sam had spilled, you know, all the things about how she was feeling? Tell us all about it. Yeah. So this guy definitely is going on my bad therapists, therapy, therapists, all the bad. Um, thank you. Thank Welcome you. To yeah, the big old boo. <laughs> big old boo. Um, because... First, you have someone who's like pushing and, and okay, so maybe Sam is not being super forthcoming about like her past trauma, but it's also partially the therapist's like responsibility to like push back in a healthy way around those topics. Like if she's coming in because she wants to face that past trauma, like there's going to be resistance in the conversation, but like it's part of his job to roll with the resistance. Maybe like, you know, reframe like, Hey, it seems like we're, we're spending a lot of time talking about your sister Tara and you know, we're, we're here together. Like I, I, I don't know if you've noticed that you seem to be redirecting or like kind of moving the attention away from you. Mm -hmm. Um, like even that as a way to just bring attention to the fact that like she's avoiding talking about it. So I don't like the way that he does it in a really confrontational way. Um, and also like you have to be really careful about addressing trauma as a trauma therapist. Um, Mm -hmm. because like you can re-traumatize someone, like you can cause more harm to a client if you're not really like thoughtful about how you are addressing these topics um, and lucky for Sam, she's like, you know, seems to be very strong. So she handles it well. Also probably cause she's had so many other therapists in the past who yeah. have you know, not done a good job. Um, so I don't like the way that he's like, like attacking her and being like, you have to talk about the trauma. So then she talks about the trauma and tells him everything. And then you get like nervy, pervy therapist. Who's like now afraid of his nervy, own client. Pervy. Wait, He's just what like kind acting of therapist? nervy pervy. He just acted <laughs> so anxious when she like, yes, mm-hmm. this is the clinical yeah. term. Yeah. Um, 
he just like gets so like afraid of her and like there's nothing that she said that his response of like oh I have to report this like she's if he was a good therapist he would assess like okay you're talking about like enjoying hurting people um like do you want to hurt somebody right now? Like, there's no, he's not assessing the risk right now. And she even says, like, I'm not doing anything right now. Like, this is mm-hmm. something that already happened to me. And right. and then he's like, oh, I have to report this. Which I'm of, uh, like, two minds about that. One is, uh, you know, confidentiality. People have heard, that, like, people hear about confidentiality. If you're in therapy, then you're familiar with, like, the limits of confidentiality, which is that mm-hmm. everything that's discussed between you and your therapist stays between you and your therapist unless you tell your therapist that you want to hurt yourself or hurt somebody else. She's right. not saying that she wants to hurt somebody else. She's saying that she enjoyed hurting somebody in the past. Like, there's nothing to report. And if he was a good therapist, he would have evaluated and actually asked her in that moment and assessed her risk for wanting to hurt somebody new, which he did not. So he just mm. jumped the gun and was like, oh, I have to uh, I have to, I have to, tell somebody about this. And it's like, you don't even know what your own, like, ethics that you're that you're supposed to be accountable for are because you're, mm-hmm. you're not doing the right thing. So all of that puts him on my list of duty therapists because he's not good. <laughs> he's really unsupportive uh, and just like leaves her in the lurch after being so pushy about it. Like that's the worst. The yeah. worst is that he was insistent on it and then got exactly what he asked for. And then, and, and then, then like away. betrayed her. Yeah. Well, Dr. Christopher Stone, welcome to Talking Horrors, <laughs> Worst Therapist in a Horror Movie Hall of Fame. Yes. <laughs> Our therapist, <laughs> <a> horrible therapist. <laughs> wow, that's yes. so good. Uh, <laughs> Pat myself on the back for that one. Beautiful, <laughs> Matt. Did you have a question yeah. for Jamie? Um, I have like the themes I have written down are like family, moral majority, and punishment. They they don't use the word revenge. I'm talking about like the the killers when they come mm. after her. They talk about mm. punishing, not revenge. Um, and I think that they make that clear in the like way that they cyber bully her and physically they want to kill her and everyone around her so that she is emotionally in pain and then physically and then dead. Um, but like for the whole family to get that mentality, like how does that work with grooming or is it like inherited or because like Richie went off the rails first and then they're all Richie murdered a bunch of people. We're going to do it, too, for Richie. Like, how plausible <laughs> is that? How, how does it does any of that make any sense? Uh, yeah, I have like similar kind of questions of like, how does something like this happen? Um, I mean, I feel like we've talked about grief and what grief does to people and like could grief lead to somebody becoming a killer I don't know but I think that I think that the the there's so much more of the onus on the father and like at least that's how I'm viewing this where it's it's him you know taking on the grief of losing Richie and then like the things that he was able to perpetuate in his children. Cause I don't think that there's necessarily something that's like inherited in terms of the punishment. But I think 
they, I mean, he even references like, maybe I wasn't a good father when it came to uh, letting Richie kind of go off the deep end with his obsession with the stab movies and like let him feed into that without very little guardrails, it seems. So I think that's more of like, you know, his, his parenting and being mindful about like what his child was consuming and maybe not unclear about like how I mean part of me is like maybe he wasn't aware how obsessed he was but on the flip side he also stole so much evidence from a variety of murders to allow his son to create a shrine of uh, all of these murders so like you know he had to at least have been aware enough to (laughs) jeopardize his role as a police officer and steal all of this crap so I, I don't know but in terms of like the grooming part I, I can, that feels a little bit believable. I don't know, into killer, questionable, but like mm-hmm. I, I can suspend my my disbelief for a moment. But I do think that like the role of the parent on instilling a belief system in the children, like that's, that feels real. Like that very much, no, I mean, you fair. see it, you see it now. It's like where, like, you know, young people who have these really strong beliefs, like where where's that coming from? Like it's coming right. from the authority figures in their lives. Like people who who haven't necessarily experienced so much of the world, but they're already holding these like really, really strong beliefs about like other people in the world. And it's Mm -hmm. like, where is this coming from? If you've never interacted with like any other groups other than your own, like you're living in these insular communities. Like I can believe that type of grooming where it's like the parents are reinforcing their ideals and values on their children and it gets consumed especially on top of that it's like oh there's a tragedy that has like befallen the family use Mm -hmm. that as a jumping off point to reinforce why this mission is so important like these values are so important because look what happened to your brother we have to like that this isn't okay we have to Mm. we have to do something about it like I could see some of that kind of going on behind the scenes to get to, you know, where we find ourselves in Scream 6. Fascinating. Yeah. That's great. I mean, yeah. And it makes sense because, I mean, it was a kind of a big theme of just how how killers are made, quote unquote. And I want to go back and reference, we didn't talk about that monologue at the beginning with the first killer about what it felt like. Oh, yeah. to oh, harm yeah. someone. And I would love to just kind of discuss, and this is getting into uncharted territory in a sense, but this, the, the psychology of, of killers. And do you think that that monologue is, is believable um, in a sense of that is, could be kind of what ignites, you know, actual serial killers that we have had in, in the world? Or was that a little just more kind of movie-heavy uh, for the purpose of just, you know, for just the purpose of the movie. Yeah. I think there's something, I found it very disturbing. Like very. listening to his, you know, revisiting and like relishing what that experience was. I was super disturbed. And I think that there's something that does feel very real about how he's describing it. And like mm-hmm. that, and I think it aligns with like things that actual serial killers have said of, of how they are, how they are perceiving like people that they have victimized. And just like, there is a, it's a disconnect because like, you're not viewing the person you're targeting as human anymore. And like Mm -hmm. that, I feel like is, is there's definitely something that feels really real, um, in like a, like 
sociopathic perception yes. of like what's happening um, where there's like a, a power dynamic and then like this person is like no more. This person is, this person isn't a person anymore right. and like losing that. So that felt, I think it, it was so effective because it, it definitely felt more realistic. Yeah. I don't I, know. That's so, oh, go ahead. Oh no. I was just thinking more about like the family thing too, because mm-hmm. I think on the flip side, you have like Sam who's grappling with how she feels when she is like, every time she's killing, she's it's self-defense because yeah. people are coming after her. But right. I think that there's something like, uh, you know, the relationship between Richie's dad and his family going on this path to murder. And then on the flip side, you have Sam who might like also have the urge, but her relationship with Tara, I think is really what's keeping it mm. in check. Like that yeah. family relationship mm-hmm. on the, on the, like parallel to what we're seeing or not parallel, but like the opposite of what we're seeing with right. uh, Richie's family is like, it's, it's a protective factor. It's not a risk factor. It's not increasing her likelihood of committing murders. It's protecting her from committing murders, I think. Right. So it's, it's like, are there other influences that can also like, like the, the value of family and like that they are this unit together and that being a protective factor from, you know, potentially causing more harm. So Gail has that line where it's like, you can make a family from one person or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. 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 I really like in um, the end when Sam kind of lets go of that urge, like in yes. the in all of the previous movies, when it comes down to like Sydney Prescott in a tough situation, she reluctantly hurts someone else to protect herself. Mm. But they make it yeah. very clear mm-hmm. that Sam enjoys stabbing the ever living shit out of whoever her enemy mm-hmm. is. Like she goes for mm-hmm. it every time. Yeah. Yeah. And and she has that and uh, bringing it back to what Jamie said too about just the family aspect and that kind of keeping reining things in. Um, but it's so funny that um, Sam stops herself, but then Tara kind of looks at her, and then Sam's like, "Well, you fucked with my family." Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. There That's you go. Like Sarah, totally. like, Tara, your life. Tara's yeah. like giving Sam yes. permission yes. to be right. her her true mm-hmm. self in that moment. Right. But I, that's the only reason why I think she does it. And like mm-hmm. she's she is trying so hard to like control those those urges. And so like mm-hmm. having Tara around like is gonna is going to continue to play a big role, which is why I'm like curious like what happens in the future within their their relationship. Like right. you know, if if Tara is away does Sam have a much harder time controlling those urges? Possible. Mm. Sure. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Well, well we, anybody have any other questions for this? We, we, I know we are running out of time, but we got to bill your stew, the new, uh, the new killers. Oh, those killers. Mm. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. <laughs> it's a scream, baby. Billy or stew. <laughs> I, so I think that the detective is way more of a Billy because he's like planning this whole thing out. Mm. Uh, and I, I feel like the kids are, are more Billy's like, because they're also kind of thinking it through, but there's also a part Mm -hmm. of me that's like, 
the whole family's just getting roped into this. So like, does that just make them more of like, we're just here, we're we're going along, like let's <laughs> right. let's just be a part of right. this. There's some stew elements there. Yeah. But it it definitely feels more uh planned out. I don't know. I think I would give Quinn a little bit of stew. It looked like she really yeah. enjoyed getting her teeth knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> For what sure. a great scene. Yeah. Yes. I agree with that. I would definitely put her more as a, as a stew for that. But they, I mean, she's even wearing Stu's mask. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And the brother is wearing, oh, uh, was it Mrs. Loomis, Debbie Salt? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mrs. Loomis. Loomis. Her grandmother. When they said that, I, I was know. like, oh my God, you're right. Yeah. I had so, the same visceral reaction yeah. to that. Wow. For sure. So yeah. wild. Oh, fantastic. Right. Well, should we Rotten Tomatoes this, y'all? Yeah. It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. What do you think this yeah. has on Rotten Tomatoes? Ooh. Uh, I'm going to say 87. I was literally just thinking that same number in my brain. We're connected. Ah! That's the can the cancer the cancerians. The connection. We're connected. I think it's lower. I bet that it mm, is okay. I bet it's seventy-five. Interesting. I'll do seventy-nine. Split the difference. One of you is one hundred percent correct. Ah! This has a seventy-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. There you go. Um, but the audience, the audience score is a 93%. Wow. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's so yeah. much fun. Yeah, um, it is so, it's much, so fun. much fun. Certain aspects of horror's most murderously meta franchise may be going stale, but a change of setting and some inventive set pieces help Scream 6 stay reasonably sharp. I would agree with yeah, that. Yeah, that's pretty solid. Yeah. Um, should we do the four S's? Yes. 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 As a reminder to our viewers, the four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Skulls is how well this movie handled mental health and human behavior, ranking it 1 through 10. Same thing for scares, how scary was it 1 through 10. And then shakes, how much is this going to stay with you 1 through 10. And then a suggestion of what you would pair this movie with. And I'm going to do a caveat that it can't be a scream movie. Um, Interesting, interesting. So... um, (laughs) Um, I'd like for, uh, I'd like for you just do, just do all of the S's across the board and we'll keep moving around. Right. So, uh, Jamie, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. But you, you ruined my suggestion. <laughs> um, which way? Which so, scream are you going to do? Which, obviously which I was going to do scream two. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Great, great. I take my um, rule away. Scream two is your suggestion. <laughs> I mean, it just, like, is Scream 2. If you want to, like, see the original Scream 2 and then see how they, like, evolve it to this, like, contemporary, like, rebooting of the sequel, like, watch Scream 2. Also, Um, if you've seen Scream 6 and not Scream 2, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Are you confused? Get get yourself (laughs) ready. Get Get to the source. Get to the source. (laughs) You gotta um, find out about Randy. Randy. <laughs> um, all right. So for the rest of my S's for skulls, I gave this a seven. Again, I mm. really like how they are, you know, portraying the impact of trauma. There's some things that like don't feel totally believable, but overall, I feel like people were largely peopling. 
Um, and that's, that's a big thumbs up in my book. Um, for scares, I gave it a 3.5. There are definitely some tense moments. Some not like there aren't like a crazy amount of jump scares, but they did a really good job at tension building and like the goriness of some of the kills really gave me like a big ick. Um, so that definitely bumped up the score and for shakes, I mean, you know, recency bias, like I'm giving this a seven cause I'm, it, it's still in my brain. I've been thinking about it since I saw it. I'm still very excited by it. So it's, it's probably going to linger. And I, and I just did really enjoy it. I also think this might be a top three screen for me. So mm. I think it's gonna, it, it, it's, you know, really seeped into all of the folds of my brain. Nice. Cool. Uh, Matt? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so for skulls, I, uh, I gave it a six um, because I think they behave slightly better than your average movie, horror movie people doing horror movie people things. <laughs> totally. Um, yes. They made some like some weird choices, like not holding the subway door when you've held it for everyone else for your sister to get in and <laughs> yeah. some things that were just like <laughs> this had to happen so you could be alone. Um, right. Scares. I gave it an eight. The bodega scene, the ladder scene, and the subway scene all got my heart rate way up there. It's just like Mm. sweating, waiting for something bad to happen. Mm. Um, And shakes, I also gave it an eight. um, The same score for those scenes. Like, there is something, as a New York City resident, that makes me, like, viscerally uncomfortable about a man in a mask in a bodega. Yeah. Yes. And like the thought of crawling I in my building, I, my neighbors are probably like 15 feet across. And the thought, I live on the sixth floor. The thought of crawling across there actually like turned my stomach mm. in the mm. theater. Yeah. And the subway is just gross. <laughs> yeah. No matter what. <laughs> So, like, all of those things really stuck to mm-hmm. me. Like, the scariness kind of felt more real. Yeah. Like, yes. Like, so someone, an old man was just shot and killed in a bodega last week. Mm. Like, yeah. these things are real yeah. in New York. Yes. And they are scary. And I'm scared of them. Yeah. Yes. Um, my suggestion I went on a tear. <laughs> I have like six suggestions. Yes. So if you get your pen and paper out, mm. um, they're all in a theme. Um, I'm sorry if I take any of your suggestions. Uh, I am going to start with Friday the 13th, part eight, Jason takes Manhattan. Obvious of one. Of course. Um, Which is in this movie. Um, it is also filmed in Canada, oh. except for one scene in Times Square. There, it's a trip. It's mostly on a boat. To Manhattan. <laughs> mm, um, mm-hmm. Movies that are filmed in New York. Q, about a winged serpent that lives in the uh, Chrysler building, filmed in New York. <laughs> Street Trash, like a grimy um, New York City, uh, I don't even know what, slime starts taking over people. Mm. Chud, uh, cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers filmed in New York City basket case um, about a uh, literal uh, 
twin that has been separated from this person that they keep in a basket and carry around New York. And <laughs> probably my number one suggestion, The New York Ripper. It is an 80s giallo film where a killer calls and harasses their victims before slashing them. Um, they're attacking beautiful models. The killer uses a, like, Donald Duck-esque duck voice on the phone. It is buck wild. It's crazy violent. It is like, it's over the top. Highly recommend pairing that with Scream 6. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. That's all, wow, fantastic. Thank you, Jack. The New York Ripper? Okay, The New York Ripper. (laughs) In in the books, gonna do it. Uh, Skulls, I'm gonna give it an eight because it was pretty believable. Scares, I'm going to give it a seven because it was gore. You know, it gave me uh, my moror that I always love, <laughs> more gore. It fit the bill. And Shakes, I'm going to give it a nine. I'm going to be thinking about Ghostface with a gun a lot. Um, I think there was just some really memorable moments that happened in this. And it's just all fun anyway, you know. And so just because we talked about it on the podcast today, if you just want fun in a chain of horror movies, like go for the Jason X, the Jason in space, because it's just going to be a good old, all the gore, just exactly what it, it says is going to be. It's not pretending to be anything else. Uh, and it's a fun time. So yes. Um, cool. Uh, um, skulls. I gave us a six scares. I gave us a four and, uh, shakes. I was going to give it a seven because I'm excited for a scream seven. Um, Mm. But I'm going to give it an eight because I'm excited for the next two. Um, Yeah, I saw this one twice. I love this one. Um, I I thought it's super great. Um, And I would say watch Rosemary's Baby if you want, like, the quintessential New York kind of uh, uh, horror movie. Excellent suggestion. Not a slasher. Yeah, but that's what I'm thinking. Okay, before we end here, I'm going to need everybody's new rankings based on seeing this movie. Ooh, Brian, this is too hard. I've got mine easy. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Do it. Do it. One, two, three, six, five, four. Four is still my least favorite. Wow. wow. So you, would a screen movie have to just like hmm. truly be tankful, awful for you to, for it, for anything to like get below four? I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Nikki, I have, okay. I have it. it. I think so. Okay, one, four. I'm sorry, I love four so much. That's all right. <laughs> okay, one, four, six, two, five, three. What a jumble. Yeah. Interesting. Jamie? Um, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. Uh, <laughs> one, two, six, four, five, three. Yeah. I think three's your least favorite. Yeah. Yeah, Same it is silly. <laughs> it's pretty silly. Um, I'm, uh, she's my wife, and we have a lot in common, and we have the same list as well. Nice. <laughs> one, two. That's gross. I know. Ew. <laughs> one, two, six, four, five, three. I will say, two and six and four and five are um, flippable depending on my mood. Um, I think six mm. can be better than two on a specific date. Like, right now it is. But, like, I don't trust my, like, right now gut. Recency bias. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. Um, four and five could flip back and forth. But, again, recency bias, I just watched five. Three's always at the bottom. And three's at the bottom, not because it's silly, but because 
I have a really hard time believing that Roman did it by himself. And I know that's a script pre-production problem, but like mm-hmm. the movie doesn't add up for me. I love the Carrie Fisher stupid stuff. I, you know, Scream 3 also has the scariest move, mo- moment in the Scream franchise where Sydney has the PTSD uh, on the Scream set. That's the scariest moment in a Scream movie. <sighs> mm-hmm. It's no right. question. Yeah. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. Well, we did it. Okay. We did it. I've got one more question before we go. Oh, God, yes. So you are uh, a part of casting for Scream 7. Who, pick one, ideal cast? Oh. What? (laughs) (laughs) Who do you want to see in Scream 7? Oh, my God. I mean, I, I want mean, I, would love, I just want Stu to come I back. I just want Stu. Thank, I want thank Stu. you. I don't care how I don't care. we get there, right. but that I would one. love Stu That's to come it. back. That's the answer. Uh, I'm trying to think. Two votes for Lillard. <laughs> I'm try- come on, Lillard. Come on, Lillard. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez as their mother. I knew oh. you were going to talk about her mother. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you can't That's find. A good you one. can't find someone like. Like I'm thinking, like Hayek or Penelope Cruz, but I think you need someone yeah. a little bit more younger, more virile, to believe that mm-hmm. they were in like high school with Sydney and stuff like that. So I'm going right. Michelle yeah. Rodriguez. On the flip side of that, um, uh, just because I love him, um, I would love to see Michael B. Jordan somehow work his way into their friend group. I don't. I don't mm. know. The- <laughs> just and she, he could be the love interest of um, Sam. Oh. In some no, because Josh Segarra in this movie as David oh, was, great. was great. I thought yeah, he grounded he a lot of it. He was funny. He was sweet. I was so happy that we might see him again. I mean, full yeah. disclosure, yeah. we're friends with. I'm friends. I'm friendly with him. Um, oh, but very excited. Yeah, definitely. But <laughs> no, he was great. Yeah, but but, but also great. like, I can't wait to ask him like, how did you justify having a ladder in the in the apartment? <laughs> yeah. He's like, it was in the script. I didn't write that. <laughs> we got to put it, try to get him in for the next, the next podcast. I know. <laughs> um, my casting choice is Kiki Palmer. <gasps> oh, good one. <laughs> That's that a woman good can do one. no wrong. Oh She's God. so None. good. And she was in the Scream TV show season three. And she, she was, was excellent. Mm. Yes. And it would be a fun way to like tie a little bit of that into the movies. Because mm. she was kind of the one that was like talking about horror movies and like the evolution yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Maybe she can be like the girlfriend to Mindy. Mindy's new love interest? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Fantastic. Come on, Kiki. We need to write this. Like, who, who do we need to send a letter to? We have a lot of good ideas here, guys. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I would love in Scream 7. So if Scream 2 is like Scream 6, I imagine Scream 3 is going to be more like Scream 8 in terms of, like, now they're remaking the movie or whatnot. I would, yes. I would love to see the opening sequence have an actual famous person playing themselves getting yes. murdered by the thing. Mm. So the news is like, yes. in, in news today... Tom Cruise was killed by <laughs> Ghostface. <laughs> Drew Barrymore. Oh, oh my God. Bring her back. Or, oh my God. That Drew would be Barrymore so playing herself. Good. Or Heather, right? Heather Graham. You can connect it through the TV show. Heather yeah. Graham gets Would that attacked. confuse people like, though? Like, would that be like too meta, meta, meta where people would like be thrown out of it? It would be very West Craven New Nightmare yeah, where yes. the actors in Stab are targets and yeah. it would speak directly to Scream 3, wow. oh, where the stab cast is being targeted. That took my breath right. away. 
Let's do it. Let's, I'm in. Man. I'm in. we got to send this podcast to people. they got to hear yeah. it. they got to hear all the things. The Golly. people need to know. The people, the people need, need to, know. to know. You guys, I got a call from Ghostface. He left a voicemail. <laughs> Did cameo, does Ghostface do it's like, cameos? It's like, I don't, it must <laughs> be some... I tried calling it back, and it, he was like... You don't you don't call me. That's not how this game oh, works. Oh, is that the phone number? And it gives you a website. Is that the phone number that's to. in the movie? Because don't they actually say a full phone number in the movie at some point? Yes. Mm. I'll send I'll send you the voicemail that he left. Yeah. It's very funny. There's like it, a moment where he's like, Do you think I'm not around? Woods. <laughs> and like there's like a pause, <laughs> like, so like insert yeah, name like, here. Yeah, 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 it's so, so good. Like, so like the ET ride at our universal, like yes. goodbye. <laughs> Brian. <laughs> um, oh. Hilarious. Okay, well, guys, that wraps up our ep- uh, yeah, episode. We got to figure out what quote we want to end this with. Oh, Let's yeah. Uh, a really good parenting job, by the way. <laughs> I just love that one. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you, Matt, to uh, Matt uh, coming in here and, you know, happy sharing with us. We're so happy when you are a guest uh, with us. And I know we'll be seeing you again soon yes, on yes, the podcast. And again, just tell everyone where they can uh, find you. I'm on Instagram at Hallow Woods, Hallow like Halloween and Woods like trees. And uh, my website is MatthewWoodsArt.com. Beautiful. And you can find us at Talk Horror Pod on the Instagram and the Twitter and the TikTok. And where can they listen to us, Brian? Yeah, wherever you get podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Yes, wherever you put buds into your ears. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't like that. Um, Wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you catch pods, um, uh, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, of course. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. And, and Matt, thank you so much. I literally was, I was so excited to hear your thoughts on this. Um, yeah. Your opinion, like along with Nikisha and Jamie, your opinion matters quite a bit to me. Um, so I'm very happy that <laughs> you enjoyed you. it. I did very much yes. so. And I loved being here with you guys to talk about it. Thank you. Yay. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. We'll see you all next bye. time. Now die bye. a fucking virgin. <laughs> Please stop saying the word cock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Good oh times. My God.